Eagle Nation, you're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. Eagle Nation, we are back. Gotta Talk is back. Uh, Matt here with Cody. Uh, we've taken a few weeks off uh, to just kind of recharge uh, from what was just a really exciting, eventful 2018 season, um, enjoying the holidays, spending time with family, um, all that good stuff. Uh, but also, Cody, just really kind of letting all the happenings of what has been a really eventful offseason um, just kind of play out uh, with with just wholesale changes across the Sunbelt Conference um, when it comes to the coaching carousel. And it just seemed like every time we were, uh, you know, talking about recording again, um, there was there were rumors, uh, you know, circulating of, of, of coaches leaving or we were waiting for a coaching vacancy to be filled. Um, and, and that has just finally quieted down uh, recently, but just a really eventful off season and now we've uh, got a ton to talk about yeah we have a ton to talk about and none of it includes any changeover from our staff which is a um, pleasant thing to say considering how the last three or four seasons have gone here in Statesboro during this offseason so I'm glad that we're going to be talking about all the other teams in our uh, conference as far as their coaching carousels and we don't really have to worry about anything with our coordinators or head coach and we can really just focus in on what's going on around the league yeah it's definitely a great great feeling to have um especially after the uh you know two previous seasons kind of look at everything from from a safe space uh you know we we have coach lunsford uh you know uh, more off-season news him getting a, a contract extension um so that so that is great we now have him through uh 2023 um also uh 10 assistant coaches and and some sub, uh, support staff uh getting uh raises and extensions as well um so so that cody is, is also just a uh you know a, a great thing uh that we're re- rewarding this coaching staff for what was just an out outstanding job in 2018 yeah that's fantastic news and that's all due to that continuity fund that uh our ad department has set up and donors can can donate to um and so it's really good to see all of our fan base really kind of come together donate the money that that this coaching staff really really deserves after the year that they've put in and um, it's great to see them rewarded for their hard work and will hopefully just be the beginning of of many great seasons here to come yeah, absolutely. So like we said, plenty to talk about. Um, we are not going to do it all in one episode. So what this episode is going to be, uh, we are going to recap the 2018 season, kind of took uh, take a, uh, you know, an overarching view of it. Um, you know, where where does this season rank uh, in, you know, our time, uh, you know, Conan and I's time as Georgia Southern fans, you know, dating back to 2005. Um, you know, what were some of our favorite moments from the season? We'll look at uh, some some big stats, uh, you know, some record-breaking stats, record-breaking numbers from this year. Um, you know, uh, take a look at some individual performances as well of where those rank. Um, and then the second part of the show will be dedicated to um, that uh, coaching carousel that I mentioned. Just all all the changes. Two of the front runners in the Sunbelt Conference, both uh, division rivals of Georgia Southern and Troy in Appalachian State, um, losing their uh, head guys. Um, we also had coaching change at Texas State and then a change at Coastal Carolina, um, as well as, you know, some 
um, coordinator changes and assistant coaching changes um, at other teams uh, throughout the conference. So we'll talk about all that and what those changes might mean, um, you know, how it might shake up the Sunbelt as a whole and the East Division. Um, so, so all that and more coming up on Gotta Talk, Cody. Let's get it, Matt. All right, so now, Cody, let's let's look, let's rewind a bit to the 2018 season. Ten and three. We talked about it all throughout the season. No one really expected us to, you know, be in this position. Uh, you know, getting to a bowl game. You know, we said at the beginning of the year when, when in our outlook that you know if if we got to six to seven wins to eight wins, we'd be ecstatic. Now, you know, 10 wins, tying, you know, the biggest turnaround in FBS history, going from two wins to 10 wins. Um, it's it's just remarkable. So so just kind of give me your overall thoughts on um, looking back at this 2018 season. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's enough adjectives to describe how impressed and, and how wonderful and how great that this season was. I mean, you couldn't really have asked for a better turnaround. Um, I mean, maybe to try to you know, beat Troy or, or ULM and, and get into the championship game for the conference. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, it's really fantastic. Um, and, and to kind of put ourselves in that situation to begin with was, it was great because nobody gave us a shot. We were picked to f- finish fourth in our division, um, behind Georgia state actually, um, during the media days out there in New Orleans. So for us to even have a 10 win season to be bowl champs to, to even be in the conversation of, of, competing for the championship and putting ourselves in that situation as well as receiving votes um, in the AP and coaches poll throughout the season. Um, it's just all fantastic stuff and it's just, it just makes 2019 um, a season that we, that we could really get hyped about and, and really see just how, how well this coaching staff can, can really push the envelope as far as success and new heights for uh, Georgia Southern's football program. Yeah, absolutely. And and when looking at some of these numbers, Cody, I mean, it just shows you how far we came in just a year, right? I mean, you had, uh, you know, scoring offense. We were uh, fourth in the Sunbelt Conference there um, with uh, just over 30 points a game. Um, I think we were somewhere around 22 um, in uh, in 2017. Um and then you've got, uh, you know, leading the league in, in rushing, um, you know, right right back to, to where we want to be um, with uh, 266 yards per game. Um, and then uh, passing efficiency, uh, you know, shy words, not throwing an inter- interception, only quarterback in the country in FBS to not throw an interception this year. You know, and he also led the Sun Belt in uh, passing efficiency with 161.8 uh, pass efficiency ranking or rating. Um, so, you know, just across the board, Cody, just uh, just really impressive numbers there. Um, you know, let's start on, on offense and we'll, we'll get to defense and some of their numbers. But uh, talk, talk about this Georgia Southern offense and just uh, what – what strides, what, you know, what amazing strides they've, they've made in, in just that one year from uh, 17 to 18. Well, yeah, and, and with any offense, it starts and ends with the quarterback, and, and Shai Wirtz was, was the main guy. I mean, you could tell by his play, just his increase in his ability and his confidence in his play, and it all started and ended with him, and he his play elevated to a, a whole new level this year that I don't think many people – or many fans um, really thought that they would they would see this year. 
Uh, and you could tell that his leadership and his ability really kind of was the catalyst for this offense and, and really led it to, to do as, as um, good of a things as it has done um, in the 2018 season. Um, as you said, no interceptions. As far as the collegiate record books goes, that's the first time that's ever happened. Um, even though they've only threw the ball 117 times, you know, they completed nearly 70% of their passes. You know, when they did have to throw it, they were smart with it. They didn't force it into, you know, situations in which turnovers could be created. And they just did a fantastic job of protecting the ball, which has led to them with their efficient offense just just kind of just kind of dominate and wearing opponents down throughout the season so you can't really say enough good things about this offense and how it did under DeBess's leadership for this first year and is just kind of again and I kind of will probably reiterate this point throughout the whole episode it's it's just a fantastic launching point into 2019 and into 2020 and the seasons ahead um and you just think that if this is where they're at in their first year, how well would they be this in the 2019 season and the years after that? So, uh, I mean, I really can't can't really say anything you know negative at all about how they performed and how well this offense was. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know we we mentioned the interceptions. Let's talk about that plus 22 turnover margin. You know, which you know obviously uh, you know has a lot to do with with defense as well, um, which we'll get to in a minute, but. Um, the Georgia Southern offense and special teams only turning the ball over five times, setting a new FBS record um, in that, uh, you know, surpassing um, LSU, uh, which had uh, seven, I believe, um, a few years back. So uh, just just so impressive there. And you, again, look at where we were. We talked about it all year. Um, look at where we were in 17 with, uh, you know, committing so many penalties, committing so many turnovers and stupid mistakes to setting a new FBS record for the least amount of turnovers in a season um, is just remarkable. Yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, that I think that all starts, you know, with the coaching staff and the emphasis on ball control. But again, it goes to the players' commitment as well. And that they, you could tell that they're totally bought in into what Lunsford and DeBez and Sloan is teaching them. And, and they're all in. And you could tell that from the get-go at the beginning of the season. And I think you could really kind of see the tide started to turn um, in the spring game last year, and then you can really kind of see as they rolled into fall camp. And, you know, just the way that they played throughout the season, they're totally bought in into what the coaching staff is, is setting before them and their game plans and their preparation. Now turning to the defense um you know that was another had uh you know the, a huge turnaround um you know i, I think uh, I, I saw on twitter you know a few weeks back as uh, a cbs analyst it, it kind of broke down the numbers of of the the biggest turnaround from um uh, offense and defense and, and georgia southern were both in the top three of those um so looking at some of these numbers you we were uh third in rushing defense um, with uh, allowing just over 140 yards 
uh, per game. We were second in scoring defense. Uh, it goes back to that that plus 22 turnover margin in there. And then um, in uh, total defense, we were number three. Uh, averaging uh, just over uh, 357 yards per game. So, Cody, just talk about this defense under Scott Sloan. Um, again, we talked about it all year of just of just what what an amazing turnaround they've had, and 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 they were fairly consistent. Obviously, you know, had you know some games there with with Troy and and with ULM where they gave up you know a, a lot of points and a lot of yards, but um, pretty much every game, you know, going all the way you know from South Carolina State to Eastern Michigan in the bowl game just played their butts off. Yeah, they certainly did. And, you know, you could you could kind of tell from the big, the get-go that this was going to be a bend-don't-break um, defense. Um, you could really see that was highlighted in the Arkansas State game where we gave up, I think, nearly 400 yards of offense, but we only gave up two offensive touchdowns. We really kept teams out of the end zone, and that's really the name of the game when you're talking about, you know, football is just don't let the other team score. And that's what we did. We shut them down. Um, I think we averaged um, only 21 and a half points a game. That's phenomenal compared to, you know, the the previous season and two that we've had under Summers and the Constantini defense that we've had those two years. So uh, the job that Sloan did in order to come in here, turn the defensive side, the ball around um, and really use the strength of our, of our players and their speed and their quickness and, and kind of let our playmakers do their thing on defense, specifically with Vildor and, and, and Brinson and, and, you know, set uh, really worked wonders for this defense and, and really allowed them to really play fast and, and, and really kind of just shut teams down from scoring the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned uh, McCoyvey and Brinson and Kendall Vildor, uh, both uh, juniors, um, defensive backs and both guys that you know there there were some uh, some uh, you know fear there that they might be leaving for the draft. Um, you know both guys, uh, uh, Vildor, a uh, All American um, by Pro Football Focus. You know Brinson receiving some awards as well. Both of those guys would probably be drafted. I don't think there's any doubt about it um, in, in in this year's NFL draft. But both declaring uh, in these last few weeks that they will be returning for their senior season. So great. Great, great news there, Cody. Yeah, definitely great news. These guys can play on Sundays. There's no doubt about it. Um, and we'll probably get into more of this in our kind of recruiting and, and personnel episode coming up later on. But it really kind of shows the mindset of this, I think, of this senior class that, that there's still work to be done. Obviously, they didn't hit all their goals that they wanted to this year. Um, I'll, you know, conference championship, and they probably want to really con- seriously contend for an access bowl bid. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, you kind of see this mentality, um, already that, that there's work to be done and that they're not finished and that they're still hungry for more. Um, now turning finally to, um, special teams, you know, the, the, the third phase of all this, let's, you know, we were excellent there as well. And, and, you know, that's something that, you know, to be expected. I mean, Lunsford has had his hand in special teams with us, um, you know, for, for a little bit in, in his tenure here. And, uh, we had Tyler Bass, you know, another guy just like, uh, Brinson and Vildor, um, a junior, uh, could definitely play on Sundays, will definitely play on Sundays. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, he also announced that he will be returning. Uh, you know, he's the, uh, and he'll be returning as the Sun Belt's uh, best kicker. You know, he was a preseason 
um, nominee for the Lou Groza Award. You know, he uh, became, uh, you know, a finalist for that award, um, did not get it, but I think he enters the 2019 season as, as one of the favorites to win that award as the nation's best kicker, Cody. Oh, yeah, he definitely does. And again, this will be a, he's another guy that will probably be able to play on Sundays um, easily. Um, he'll certainly be given the chance, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't, as far as field goal kicking, kickoff returns, I mean, you can't say enough about how well Tyler Bass has done for us. Um, he, he's just a, a great weapon to have um, to pin teams back on kickoffs. Um, and to really, once when you get inside the 40-yard line, you know, you're probably going to, it's always a good thing. It's fantastic that he's coming back. You know, the only thing that I think you could really talk about as far as, as special teams goes, as far as something to improve on, is punting. Yeah, we we were ninth in punting um, in the league, so second to last there, you know, with uh, just uh, almost a 36 um, net punting average. Um, so so definitely room for improvement there, but, but that was to be expected. And, you know, we, we knew that, um, you know, we had we had some young guys there that had, uh, you know, some big shoes to fill. So, I mean, I, I think that's definitely one of those areas, like you said, that we can improve. But, uh, you know, I, I think we can do that. And I think with uh, Tyler Bass, uh, you know, being all but automatic on um, field goals and PATs and then also uh, what he can deliver on kickoffs, uh, you know, um, just helping so much with with field position. And, you know, that, that was a big part of, um, of this year, of our success this year, is being able to kind of flip that field um, and and you know give give the defense a break and, and give uh, you know the the offense um, short fields to work with as well, Cody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I mean, I think I think going in the night twenty nineteen special teams in the way of punting what should hopefully be definitely improved, um, and and that will that will only help as far as giving our team the advantage as far as um, offense and defense goes. And so the final thing I want to mention here when we're just kind of breaking down the stats um, of the year, uh, it's something that we harped on all year. You know, we talked about turnovers. Let's talk about penalties. Uh, Georgia Southern second in the Sun Belt Conference, but behind, ironically, Georgia State um, with uh, just 61 penalties the whole year uh, for a total of 525 yards, um, average of uh, just over 40, 40 yards per game. Um, we were just penalty ridden uh, in, in, in 16 and 17, um, just a very undisciplined football team. And to see us go from that to, you know, where where we were in this 2018 season as, you know, almost leading, uh, you know, just just one one yard a game. Uh, from from leading the conference in uh, the fewest amount of penalties, that's that's incredible, Cody, and it's just a testament to this coaching staff and uh, head coach uh, Lunsford. Is uh, again, I feel like I'm kind of repeating myself here. It's just a testament to their commitment to discipline, and 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 the players buying into that, and it just shows. I mean, this is kind of one of the areas in which you could tell, you know, is your team disciplined or not, and. and Penalties is where that kind of shows up big time at, and we were a very disciplined team. Um, very few times did we have pre or post nap penalties, and you know usually the majority of the penalties that we had seemed to come during the play. Um, so, I mean, these are going to be hard numbers. This turnover number, this these penalty numbers going into the next year are going to be very hard numbers to replicate. But I envision that they come pretty daggum close to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you certainly can't expect 
shy to go another year without I mean even if he's only throwing 170 passes 171 passes for him to go a whole nother season without throwing a pick or you know for us to only turn the ball over five times um, or like you said to, to have as few penalties as we had but but I, I do think that we'll come really close and you know that's that's just the markings of, of a good coaching staff and a, a well-disciplined team and um, you know We've had a very young team. Uh, had one of the youngest teams in the nation, and in, in seventeen, still pretty young last year. These guys are getting older. Uh, we talked about Shy Wirtz, um, you know, coming into more of a leadership role. And I, you know, I think as this team ages and matures, I think you know you're you are going to see improvements, or at least us kind of sustaining success there um, in those two key areas with uh, with turnovers and uh, and fewer penalties. All right, so Cody, let's let's not only talk about the good let's you know we we mentioned like some areas on special teams with punting where we can improve obviously you know we didn't reach all the goals that the team wanted um which like you mentioned was um winning the conference um getting that first conference uh championship game possibly making a bid at an access bowl um so you know let's talk about some areas where um, we did fall a little short um where we can improve um in the 2019 season let's start with uh, third down conversions um, on offense. Uh, we ranked seventh in the Sunbelt Conference. We were uh, 61 of uh, 157 um, for a percentage of uh, just around 39%, Cody. So not, not, not very good there. We definitely want to see you know third down conversions get better, obviously, for a, a run-heavy team, an option-based team. You're going to see that some. Um, where, you know, if, if you get in kind of a third and longer or even third and medium situation, it, it might be hard to kind of convert there. But Yeah, you definitely do. And, and with our, our option-based team, you know, you hope that when you get into a third down situation, it's third and short and that you can easily convert these third downs and, and move the chains and continue to drive down the field. And the kind of glaring thing about that statistic is that it, it shows that maybe we're not getting in those third and short situations like we should or like we kind of want to, um, which is probably an area in which probably we, we want to get more into. Um, we don't want to be so much like behind the sticks in 37, 30, and 10 or, or longer, um, which, of course, makes our third down conversions probably a lot less. Um, and so that definitely needs to be an area of improvement. Um, and again, you know, I think it's, it's twofold. One, it's getting in those third and shorts, but also two, it's when you're getting those third and shorts, you have to have the offensive line play in order to kind of convert those um, those third downs. So hopefully going in the 19 that we'll see a lot better um, third down percentage, and it should hopefully be closer to 50%, if not higher. Um, specifically, you know, you know, since we're in a in a option based offense. Yeah, and, and, and staying with the offense there, um, going to fourth downs, uh, not very good there either. Um, seventh in the conference. Um, so with uh, there, we went for it on fourth down uh, 12 times, only converted um, six. So I'm not good at math, Cody, but that's 50%. Um, yes, and, it uh, is. You know, you've, you've got um, – you know that that's another thing that's interesting with with option based team. You know we we see that uh, obviously with the Paul Johnson coach tech teams and um, you know the old uh, Georgia Southern uh, you know flexbone teams. 
Um, they like to go for it on fourth down a lot. We we didn't go for it that much. I mean, like I said, just 12 times. Um, Coastal, who had the uh, best percentage in fourth down conversions this year, went for it 16 times, but you had South Alabama for 26, Georgia State for 28, um, you know, le- leading the league uh, in um, – or actually, no, Arkansas State had 30. Um, so, you know, we – didn't go for it that much on fourth and then maybe that goes back to kind of getting in those situations where um it's we're we're not really in a fourth and short or fourth and inches um so you you'd like to see some improvement there of when maybe not that we want to be in that situation to to have to go for it on fourth down but when we are definitely have a a better conversion rate yeah and and one of those fourth down was that fourth and 22 against clemson so i almost kind of want to throw that one out of there and say that we were six for a regardless, he did and it counts in the stat sheets. Um but yeah, this is this is uh, we're a run heavy team. When it's fourth and one or fourth and two, we should be able to convert that regardless of where we are in the field. Um and I know that Lunsford at the beginning of the season kind of put an emphasis and really kinda of challenged his line that hey, when we get in these situations we will go for it. Um and you kinda of saw that at the beginning. I think it kind of made a change around that UMass game. I believe there was a fourth and short deep in our our deep in UMass's territory that we didn't convert, and it seemed like kind of ever since that particular game, we didn't really try to go for it too much on fourth and fourth and short. Now that also could just be that the way that the games played out, and that we weren't really in that situation a whole lot going throughout the year but as as you mentioned you know only 12 attempts on fourth down and, and only converting 50 percent of the time that has to improve and you know we have have confidence that if we're inside our 50 and it's fourth and inches or fourth and in, in, in short that not only is our team going to go for it but we're going to get it and it's just and, it, and it's just something that can just demoralize a defense and really just kind of put the momentum in our favor and really just have us just take control of a ball game yeah absolutely so now moving to defense um but saying with uh fourth down we uh ranked eighth in the conference third lowest um in opponents fourth down conversion rate um with uh 69 percent so um our opponents uh converted uh 20 out of 29 uh fourth down attempts um so you know that's that's something that uh, you also want to see, obviously, improve. And then with uh, with third down conversions, a little bit better there. Uh, we were uh, f- fourth in the conference um, for uh, 38.5%. Um, uh, conversion so uh, but but those fourth downs uh, you know just just like we said on offense we definitely want to see um, you know the defense improve when um, when, when teams get desperate or, or when they kind of decide to roll the dice um, to be able to, to step up and make a play yeah exactly and you know when you see where the our opponents went for it nearly 30 times on fourth down that that I guess that's kind of average I don't know um but it's, it means that teams kind of respecting us that, that that they didn't want to give the ball back to us or they needed to score. Um, but we've definitely got to stop them when they decide to take those chances. Um, you could tell that, that that was big in the Arkansas State game where they went for it on twice on fourth down at the beginning of the game and we stopped them. So if we can get better on that and really kind of shut that down, um, then that's just going to be all the, you know, better for us, you know, it, going into next season and, and, and being able to kind of 
win football games because next year in 2019, I think as most everybody knows, our schedule is a lot tougher than what it is this past season. And we're going to need to really shore up a lot of things on defense and offense if we want to get back to a 10-win season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so finally with defense, um, let's talk about red zone defense. Um, you know, we, we kind of mentioned that, that our defense was kind of bend, don't break this year. Um, but, uh, again, eighth place, uh, third lowest in the conference, um, in, uh, red zone defense. Um, we gave up scores 35 out of the 40 times. Um, so that's at 87.5, uh, percentage rank there, Cody. So, uh, you know, not, not very good, um, uh, to say the least, um, 28 touchdowns, uh, in seven, uh, seven for 10 on field goals that we allowed. Um, so definitely want to see the, the red zone defense, you know, it kind of, kind of step up. We just have to get better there. We just have to stop them and, and force them to field goals and, and keep them out of the end zone. You definitely don't want to, I think you said an 87% conversion rate. Yeah, you don't want that at all. You don't want a, a team to feel confident that once when they get inside the 20 or 25 that they can, they're, they're going to score. Um, you kind of want to have them fear and, and, and always kind of second guess and question themselves when they even, regardless of how close they get to the to the goal line. So, Yep, I mean, as as well as what we did on, on offense and defense and special teams, I think we can all agree as fans that there are definitely areas in each aspect of the game for our team to improve upon. And it's actually critical for us to improve upon these things in special teams and defense and on offense. Otherwise, our 2019 season could be pretty long. <laughs> So now, Cody, let's uh, get away from the stats for a minute. Let's just kind of look at this season um, overall and, and just kind of reminisce on it for a second of, uh, you know, some, some favorite moments from this year. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, it doesn't just have to be one. You don't have to do a, a ranking or anything like that. But just just go through some of your, your favorite moments of the 2018 season. Well, I think the – I'll kind of start off not with a play or anything, but I think one of the, the best moments I think that we have was that the introduction of the cannon um, after touchdowns and, and after victories. And I think that's something that I hope that we see in 2019 and beyond. I think that was a great addition that we had. It was a great way for our National Guard to get involved um, with our football program out of Fort Stewart. And hopefully it's something that we can keep going here in the future. I think that was just a great way and a great – just a, a Great new aspect to our football games. It was fantastic. Um, as far as plays, I think we have to start with um, the reverse during the Arkansas State game. That was a fantastic, just a, a fantastic play, a fantastic call, and really kind of just set the tone for conference play and what was to come the rest of the season. Yep, yep, absolutely. I also enjoy the cane. I'm glad that they – uh, kept that going for the rest of the year and, and hopefully that will continue um, this next season but um, yeah the reverse call obviously I think that's when uh, if you weren't already in love with Bob DeBess, uh, that <laughs> that's when uh, you know Eagle Nation started confessing their love to that man because I mean what a call in that situation um, and uh, you know also uh, Wesley Kennedy III the the uh, player that that pulled that 
play off, um, you know, celebrate a birthday the next day along with Bob the Bess. Um, you know, so just really cool story there. Um, and, and like you said, really just kind of set the precedent um, for the rest of the season that, that we were uh, back, that Georgia Southern was back and, and back as a contender in the Sunbelt Conference. And, um, you know, we, we said back then, you know, well, what, you know, where where does this really weigh like or you know how how good are we well now sitting here um as a 10-3 team we knew that it, it wasn't a fluke you know that Arkansas State certainly had their ups and downs um you know this season and had a you know a, a disappointing uh showing the bowl game against Nevada um but you know they're they're still a strong team um you know uh one of the strongest teams out of the west and, uh, you know, for us for us to win that game and win the way we did, um, I think will be uh, definitely memorable. Um, for me, uh, I think it has to be the bowl game. I think it has to be the Camellia Bowl, um, not just what happened and how it happened, um, but personally uh, me, me being able to be there. Um, and and see the two biggest plays, uh, which everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say that. Um, seeing that from the sideline, uh, you know, getting getting the field pass from the the generous super fan I met from Eastern Michigan. Um, you know, still uh, talk with him regularly on um, on text and, and and Twitter and Facebook. But getting down there on the field, uh, seeing that uh, 40-yard Tyler Bass field goal uh, sail through, getting to rush the field, um, but also the play that set that up, the the Shywert scramble on fourth uh, fourth and ten, um, just just amazing, and um, I, I think will definitely go down in in Georgia Southern history as as one of the most memorable plays, um, winning just second bowl game ever. Um, so I for for me just those two plays. Um, definitely rank up there not just for most memorable moments of 2018 um, but some of the most memorable moments um, since I've been a fan of Georgia Southern yeah definitely um, and just watching that play on TV was electric I mean it was just a fantastic play as far as both the the scramble and and the kick from Bass um, I think overall though I think we can't forget to mention the win over App State with them being ranked um, and knocking them off or knocking them out of the top 25 and then, you know, finally beating Georgia State and, and, and finally having that sweep over our rivals this year that, that had really been a, a long time coming, to say the least. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, with those two games, obviously, a little bit, a little bit more lopsided, right? And I think, I think that's why they, you know, play-wise, maybe aren't that memorable, but Certainly the result is, um, like you said, I mean, beating the first ranked team ever, doing it in Paulson Stadium in front of a national um, audience on ESPN, uh, and then, uh, like you said, being, being Georgia State in that baseball stadium, doing the tomahawk chop, I was able to attend that game as well, um, just electric atmosphere, weather wasn't great, um, but Eagle Nation showed out in full force like they did all year. Um, you know, completely took over that stadium once again, um, like they did uh, a few years back in the Georgia Dome. Um, and, you know, just uh, two really big wins and, uh, you know, big wins for this program because, uh, like you mentioned, Cody, like we mentioned before, both those teams, uh, three-game win streaks uh, over us. So to, to kind of right the ship there, I think, is just uh, – sets a really good precedent, uh, you know, moving forward that, uh, you know, we – 
we're back, like I mentioned, uh, but with with the state rivalry, you know, we're we're getting that back to where it needs to be. Um, unfortunately, they still own that rivalry right now. I mean, let's let's face it. But I I think now you know the the tides are going to turn there, um, and I, I think we as long as we keep this coaching staff together and keep on this uh, you know path you know of, of where we're going I think we're going to continue to to dominate them um which is the way it should be and then with App State I think you're going to see a, a competitive rivalry again um because let's be honest uh before this this last uh this last game you know it, it hasn't been um so I, I think those are, are two important games not just uh for our football team but but frankly just those rivalries and in, in the conference in general yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. So now, Cody, let's let's talk about where we think this season ranks. Um, since we're not going to do Georgia Southern football history because <laughs> that that could get us in trouble, uh, we certainly know our history pretty well. Um, but. You know, uh, frankly, neither one of us was, were alive for some of it. <laughs> you know, we were very, very young for some of the, uh, you know, more memorable moments, more memorable seasons. Um, and, you know, certainly aware of all that. Um, but we're we're going to just focus on since we've been fans, uh, which dates back to th- 2005. Uh, we've talked on this uh, show you know, that, uh, you know, we were kind of in school at, uh, you know, the dark ages, uh, you know, with, with Hatcher and, you know, as the tail end of Seawalk, um, the coach, you know, BVG, um, and then, uh, and then Hatcher, um, and then, uh, with Monkey coming in right at the tail end, um, after, after I graduated. So, um, certainly not a lot of memorable seasons, uh, while we were in school, Cody, um, but, uh, you know, since those Munkin years, uh, obviously the Fritz years, and then, uh, now with Lunsford, um, you know, some, some memorable moments there. So, so for you, where, where does this 2018 season rank since you've been an Eagles fan? Um, well, obviously it's, it's better than 16 and 17, um, to say the least. And, and, Clearly. and obviously <laughs> better than the Van Gorder and Hatchard years. Um, right. So you're really kind of talking about how does this really rank with the Seawalks last season and then Munkins and Fritz years. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we all know the disappointment in Seawalks last year. Um, the the playoff game that he that we blew, that led him to get fired. And um, I think, obviously, that season's better than that one. Um, now we're really kind of just having the the three straight years into the semifinals and then Fritz's first two seasons or his only two seasons here. I don't see this season being better than the 14 and 15 season just because of, mm-hmm. of how well we played those two years. You're talking about in 14, we nearly beat two power five schools. In fact, we should have beat both of them in tech and NC state. Um, and then you just look at how well we played outside of the West Virginia game in 15 and just those two seasons, our football teams was just absolutely dominant. Yeah, almost be almost Georgia. Be Georgia. Yeah, right. Um, so I don't think that I don't think really it's it's up there to that level, that par. Um, but as far as just overall, just a turnaround, it, to, like uh, you know, I kind of mentioned at the beginning of, of this season that the one of the first few podcasts that we did is that I think this could be a 2010 season, and and that's what it kind of reminds me of. That is kind of was that reminiscent of. Munkins turnaround 
when his his first year here, he got the ball rolling, he got everything set up, and then we just kind of went through that that first playoff run, and that's kind of where I kind of see this at is that comparability is that it's it's with that 2010 season with with that first year in Munkin. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Uh, you know, I I think. I agree. I mean, I, I think it. you can't really put it ahead of 14 and 15. In my opinion, since 2005, I think 14 is overall the my, my number one uh, season. Just uh, like you said, uh, you know, nearly knocking off two Power 5 opponents that first year, um, you know, after moving up, would have, you know, with nine wins, uh, easily made a bowl, um, you know, but because of the stupid arbitrary rule, you know, couldn't um, run the house in the Sunbelt Conference in our first year, 8-0. and um, Cody, we had a chance to, to see that final game against ULM together, uh, rush the field together. Um, that, to me, is, is you know, maybe it's recent memory. I mean, not that I've certainly forgotten the Munkin years, but that, to me, uh, is, it ranks number one. Um, I, I think 15... Um, is up there, uh, you know, maybe second or third with uh, probably that 2010 season, like you said, just because of the turnaround. I think, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, from going to where we were then uh, with, with Hatchers last year and then uh, obviously with Summers, um, you know, starting 0-6 and uh, with the transition to Lunsford, um, I, I, think, I think that carries more weight, you know, too, uh, just – Going from seeing how bad it can get, and then and then just seeing that that dramatic turnaround um, is meaningful. So um, I I think this season probably ranks somewhere you know behind definitely behind 2014, probably 2015, and like you said, probably right there with with that 2010 season uh, for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's just going to be really hard to, to to really overcome that 2014 season. Um, I think I think the only way a team does that is when we when when we start beating Power Five schools that or, or make an access bowl or we're obviously win an access bowl. I mean, once once we we you know cement ourselves in with the the Boise States and the UCFs and stuff of the world, obviously, then you know when we're hosting college game days and it's not just a rumor yeah. and things like that. That season, obviously, will will finally surpass 2014. But yeah, for now. Um, I mean that you can't you can't write anything better than no. that, you know um, of of uh, no one no one expected um, you know us us to have the performance we did that that 2014 year and um, you know I, I think an honorable mention is is the, is the 2013 season obviously because it was a transition year um, you know we certainly didn't finish with the record a lot of people were hoping for, um, you know, moving into to FBS, but um, ending with that, that win at Florida, um, you know, still the only um, power five opponent we've, we've beaten so far. Um, you know, hopefully, like you said, uh, that um, will change uh, pretty soon. Um, you know, you know, hope maybe next year when we play uh, Minnesota. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I think that that's definitely honorable mention. I mean, that's probably in the top five, uh, just because, I mean, we uh, sat a lot of guys out. We had a lot of injuries. We had a lot of guys redshirted, um, saving them for that for that 2014 season. We certainly saw what we did, even with with a new coaching staff, um, you know, and 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 with a you know transitioning from uh, under center option to the the pistol and shotgun option. Um, so I mean, that that was certainly a talented team, and and those seniors, you know, going out with with that big win in the swamp um, certainly can't be forgotten. 
Yeah, no, that can't be either. And and the only one I was going to kind of throw in there is that 2012 season. That was the one in which we lost by three to North Dakota State um, in in the um, in their home uh, in their dome stadium up there in, in North Dakota. Um, should have won that game and should have probably gotten into the championship game and, and won our seventh national championship that year. Mm-hmm. But over I, Fritz, yep. Um, but it's uh, it is what it is. We didn't win. We didn't have a field goal kicker. Um, and so uh, you know, we didn't get there. But that 2012 season was also pretty good as well. Yeah, pour one out for my boy Adrian Mora. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now let's move on. Let's move on to um, this coaching carousel, Cody, and 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 how it affects us. And like like you said, it is it's it's really refreshing to be able to just kind of look from you know the mountaintop, basically, of of uh, you know, and see everything uh, transpire, and not really have to worry about uh, you know, know that that our staff is is set, and then that uh, you know, it seems that they're content, and they got the extensions, like we mentioned, through two thousand twenty three. Um, so that alone is great. Um, but you know, let's let's start um, with you know what kind of set this whole thing off, and that is um, App State. Uh, you know, the the rumor started circulating. Um, you know, before, you know, right, right around the start of, of bowl season that, um, Scott Satterfield might be up for the Louisville position. Um, you know, we, uh, learned that, um, after, uh, Purdue's coach, uh, announced that he wasn't interested, um, that Satterfield was kind of the, the next in line that he was, he was the target. And, uh, you know, now of course we know, um, they, they got him and he, he brought most of his staff at App State, uh, with him there to Louisville, Kentucky. So, um, they replace him with North Carolina state offensive coordinator, Eli Drinkwitz. He was named head coach on December 13th. And then later on, they hired uh, Ted Roof, a uh, long-time uh, defensive coordinator, uh, spent time at Auburn, won a national championship there um, when uh, when Cam Newton was there, also spent some time at Georgia Tech, did not have a lot of success there, um, and uh, frankly wasn't doing very well at North Carolina State. Um, you know, they, they were one of the worst, uh, defensive teams in the country, um, while he was there, but, but Drinkwitz bringing him, um, from, uh, NC state to be, uh, the new defensive coordinator at, um, app state, uh, that, that eased the mind of a lot of Eagle nation. Um, we thought maybe, you know, Scott Sloan maybe gets a call there. Maybe he's even considered, uh, you know, as a head coach candidate at app state. Um, but, uh, you know, our, our staff safe there. Um, and, uh, so let's, let's just start with that Cody with, with app state losing, losing Satterfield, um, getting drink wits, uh, getting Ted roof as, uh, the defensive coordinator where, you know, what kind of impact do you think this will have, um, on, on the conference and specifically the Eastern division? Well, it- Drinkwitz is known as a pretty good offensive-minded coach. So as far as App State's ability to score points and move the ball up and down the field, they're still talented in all their skill areas, you know, quarterback, running back, receivers. Um, Their offensive line should still be decent. Uh, So offensively speaking, I think they're still going to be good. They're still going to be a threat. It's not a team to be taken lightly at all. I think the the biggest thing here to watch when we're when we're talking about App State and their coaching changes and and 
how they'll play next season is how their defense will respond to Ted Roof being their coordinator and just what changes he will bring. Um, I think he's already came out and said that he's going to keep the 3-4 defense as their base defense, but he wants to give kind of a multiple or or a variety of, of looks. So he probably would want to mix in a 4-3 or a 3-3-5 or a 4-2-5 or something along those lines is what he's going to probably want to mix in with the with the 3-4. It will be interesting to see how their defense handles that. Will they be able to pick it up and then be just as dominant, or will the extra layers and in, in the and in, in the complexity of the defense slow them down and 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 have their defense play at a, at a tad bit slower pace? If it does, then that will really kind of change the the outlook as far as the Eastern Division, and really, I think the the power swing will go from instead of App and Troy the last three, four seasons, I think, will really start to turn to more of a Troy-Georgia Southern type of a power struggle for for the Eastern Division. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, mentioning Troy, uh, we'll jump ahead because there, there were uh, some coaching changes in between here, but probably not as significant as, as App State and then Troy, like you mentioned. Troy on January 4th, uh, their head coach, Neil Brown, um, being named the head coach at West Virginia. Uh, they uh, replace him with uh, Kansas offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey. Um, now he was only <laughs> offensive coordinator at Kansas for a short amount of time. You know, you might be thinking, "Well, Kansas isn't very good." So that's not. No, he he was at Auburn. Um, you know, had uh, you know a, a lot of success there. So uh, he's the new head man um, at Troy. Uh, they they return. You know, they've got a pretty young team. They return a lot of uh, talent. Um, and like you said, I, I think, I think Troy, uh, still, still a force to be reckoned with, um, in the East division and in the conference, um, with, uh, with Lindsay at the helm. Yeah. I actually think this is the best hire as far as, um, all the head coaching changes in the Sun Belt. I think, um, this really puts Troy in the driver's seat and really makes Troy a very dangerous team to deal with. Um, they already are very talented offensively anyways. Chip Lindsay actually kept um, uh, the defensive coach from Neil Brown's staff and promoted him to defensive coordinator, so they're keeping all their verbiage and pretty much the, the defensive philosophy the same there. So you can expect their defense to probably be just as good as what it has been the last three or four seasons. Troy, I think, with Chip Lindsay now controlling the realms of the offense, is going to be a very dangerous team and, and, and will probably be the toughest opponent we have all season in the Sun Belt. Yeah, Cody. So, so Troy's defensive coordinator um, left uh, or followed um, uh, Neil Brown to West Virginia, and then, like you mentioned, they they promoted their their linebackers coach and special teams coordinator Brandon Hall um, to defense coordinator. So, so like you said, keeping uh, some continuity there, um, and. Um, and then their uh, their tight ends coach was actually moved to their special teams coordinator as well. So, uh, so they they didn't get uh, as gutted as App State did um, with uh, with Satterfield basically taking his his entire staff with them um, to Louisville. But um, I, I agree. I, I I think Troy is is not really gonna uh, you know. Uh, miss a beat you know as, as far as that that trans- transition goes um and and they're going to be a really really dangerous team uh to contend with um so 
looking at the other changes, there were two other head coaching changes in the Sun Belt outside of App and Troy. And we'll start with uh, with Texas State. Um, we knew that was kind of a volatile situation going on there uh, with Everett Withers. Um, you know, he uh, right around you know the game we had with him, where where they nearly knocked us off on national TV. Um, you know, there was uh, already, uh, you know, a lot of kind of turmoil in that program with the AB, AD and uh, the, the alumni and, and boosters there wanting the AD gone, wanting Withers gone as head coach. Withers was snapping at reporters um, in, in post-game press conferences. It just wasn't a good situation. So I, I don't think that surprised anybody. I think that was probably the least surprising coaching change in the Sun Belt. Um, you know, we, we knew that Satterfield and, and Neil Brown, um, you know, have, have been uh, targets for, for P5 jobs, especially Neil Brown, uh, for a couple years now, you know. So um, that that wasn't a surprise either, but but this, this weather situation just wasn't good um, at Texas State. They replace him with the offensive coordinator at West Virginia. I'm going to take a stab at it as Jake Spavital. Um, might be pronouncing that wrong, but uh, so he he's the new head man there. Um, it might kind of establish a, a Big 12 type look, uh, Cody, with, uh, with the um, Texas State uh, Bobcats. Yeah, and I think his brother is the defensive coordinator. I believe he came from Texas Tech. Yep, Zach. Yep. Yep. So it, I think they're kind of you know they'll probably run it as a as a Big Twelve style program. Obviously, um, their defense was actually pretty decent last season. Uh, you and I kind of talked about this that if they would have had any kind of an offense, that they probably would have been halfway you know decent. And yeah, I think I think it was four games that I that I saw that they lost by a t- touchdown or less, maybe even five points or less, um, including the uh, the game against us. Yeah, so I mean they they were in it in in quite a few games. They just couldn't get over that hump. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, being in Texas, you know the talent's there. You know it's kind of like us; we're in the hotbed of of football talent. Um, so there's no reason why Texas State should not be decent. At, um, when it comes to football, um, it'll just kind of be what the coaching does and how the recruiting goes the next couple uh, seasons. Um, to me, the interesting thing about this entire hire at Texas State was that shortly after they hired um, Jake from West Virginia, he was rumored to go to the Arizona Cardinals to be their offensive coordinator yep. uh, when they made their offense or when they made their head coaching change. But he actually turned it down and to stay with Texas State, um, which is kind of surprising. So I'll be interested to see just how well they improve on their offense. I think we all can remember the quarterback that played against us, the freshman. Um, he seemed, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but he, was, he seemed to be pretty good. He had a, he had a pretty big arm. Um, it's just can he get weapons around him. I know the tight end, that was really that another number one offensive weapon. I think he's declared for the draft, so he won't be there. Um, but can they, can they build a receiving core um, around him? Um, with in, in, in a stable of running backs to kind of give him options and weapons to, to, throw, to throw to. If they can, you might want to watch out. Texas State could be somewhat good of a dark horse coming into this 2019 season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I, think, I think they, they kind of remind me a little bit about of, uh, of Eastern Michigan. You know, I mean, it's a team that, you know, definitely has been – pretty bad uh you know the last the last couple of years but then uh you know just with the right coaching situation I, I think you can see a flip like a summers to a lunsford um they just need some some continuity there they just need some leadership some direction um you know someone to uh you know just 
bring that team together and 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 make them believe you know make the players believe and um you know i i think like you said with with the recruiting hotbed um and you know uh, the right system um i i think they could definitely be kind of what a lot of people thought ULM, you know, could be, and and, and I guess was in a in a sense um, this year of, of just kind of that that surprise team um, of 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 going, you know, uh, well below five hundred to to possibly contending for a bowl. Yeah, yep, um, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that how that team plays out. And I don't think we play them this season, which could be a good thing depending on how well they turn their program around. Yep. Yep. So the final coaching change uh, is at Coastal Carolina, and this one um, didn't, you know, move the needle as much because it was an internal hire, um, and it was one that uh, wasn't that surprising. Um, so, I mean, you, you had Joe Moglia, uh, who did not coach in the 2017 season um, because of health reasons. He had stepped down, uh, and offensive coordinator Jamie Chadwell, a former candidate for the Georgia Southern uh, coaching position, uh, you know, a few years back. He, you know, former coach at um, Charleston Southern. Um, he had stepped in for that 2017 season. Moglia, uh, Moglia came back, um, took over the head coaching job. Uh, this year, uh, Coastal uh, almost made a bowl, um, fell just short, uh, losing in their last game. Um, and then uh, – now on January 18th, uh, Moglia announcing that he is uh, stepping down permanently. Um, he will take an administrative role, um, still will be involved with the football program and have, uh, you know, some kind of um, direct ownership there uh, with, uh, you know, how, how the how the program operates. But uh, Jamie Chadwell, once again, stepping in now um, instead of a interim role at, you know, permanently as the head coach. Um, so, Cody, what – what do you think this means uh, for for Coastal? And I know, you know, in um, the recent uh, days here, you know, there's been uh, some a lot of transfers uh, coming out of Conway, South Carolina, with um, you know se- several players uh, jumping on the um, transfer wire. Um, so that 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 alone is a little surprising. Yeah. Um, well, it's not surprising that Chadwell is named the head coach. I think he's kind of been the head coach in waiting. At least that's what they've kind of led everybody to believe for the last couple yeah. seasons. It was kind of surprising that they did it now. I think a lot of people thought that it would still be a year or two down the road before that change was made. Um, but regardless, he's the coach now. The As far as the, the seems like a, a max exodus of players, I know that there's been at least four or five players so far to enter the transfer portal, um, which kind of made lead you or us to believe that maybe there's not a whole lot of players on that team that's too thrilled that he's their head coach or at least a, a fraction of those players um were not thrilled that he was the head coach um and some of those were decent players um I think one of the one of the players was a defensive um end that was pretty good um that had quite a few tackles and tackle for loss he was a starter um another one was an offensive lineman that was um that started to believe all of uh, Coastal's games last season. So it's not like these are just like second or third string guys that are that are leaving. These are starters that just apparently for some reason or another do not want to play for Chadwell. Yep. Um, so this will be interesting to see what happens going forward. Is there turmoil within the Coastal team? Certainly between you and I, we, we would probably relish the fact that Coastal's football program, you know, kind of faces um, turmoil. 
especially with Chatwell leading the way. Um, that will only bode well for us as far as recruiting and having a team that we can dominate so close to uh, Statesboro. So um, we'll see what happens. We all know that Chadwell did well at Charleston Southern when he was there. Um, he seems to know what he's kind of doing as far as offense goes. He'll just be, can he translate that at an FBS level and, and be able yep. to do it? Well, that's the thing is Charleston Southern, um, you know, very, very small school, um, you know, private school. And so so it is very different. I mean, I know Coastal isn't isn't a huge university, but I mean, it's certainly a lot bigger than Charleston Southern. Um, so, you know, how he leads that program, you know, I mean, there, there maybe there's some similarities there, like with with Summers of just, you know, it it. It seems like you know from this from 2017 to 2018 when it was Chadwell Chadwell to Moglia um, that he um, that this 2018 team was just a lot more disciplined and confident and I mean yes a big part of that is is another year in FBS and, and getting through their transition and all this but I I think you know like you said may, maybe there is something there of of you know that that uh, that. Chadwell has just kind of lost his team or, or, or frankly, maybe never had them, um, you know, never, never really had their confidence. Uh, just like, you know, I, I think anyone in Eagle Nation will agree that, that, you know, that was the situation with Tyson Summers. You know, he, he never fully had control um, of our team of or of our program. And then you see what happens when we get a competent head coach in that, that you know, gets the players to believe. And, um, you know, Chadwell was clearly able to do that at Charleston Southern, you know, a program that um, is, is fairly new uh, to NCAA football and, uh, you know, FCS football um, and, and, and made them a contender there. Um, but, you know, whether or not he is ready, like you said, to kind of step in and, and lead an FBS program, you know, one that, you know, has some talent and then, uh, again, in a recruiting hotbed, um, you know, that's, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, it, it will be, and it'll be an interesting one for however long that he's there um, because we know that this is, even though the, the Coastal and Georgia Southern series it doesn't have too many games between it, we know that this is going to be a rivalry game eventually just based on location. We're in the same division. We're going to play each other every year. Their coach obviously doesn't like our program for personal reasons. I think that's pretty well documented. So it'll be interesting kind of seeing what will happen going forward over the next couple of years uh, with Chadwell and this Coastal team. So, Cody, closing us out here, um, what what overall, you know, does all these all these coaching changes, you know, what what do you think, what effect do you think this will have um, on the Sun Belt Conference and, and specifically on on Georgia Southern? Where, where where do you think? I mean, clearly it it. it could only help us, um, you know, uh, with especially the the top two teams in the conference and, and Troy and App State uh, losing their head coaches. Um, whether or not, um, you know, Drinkwitz and um, and uh, Lindsey, you know, pan out, um, you know, that time will tell. Uh, but uh, a transition is a transition. I mean, any anytime you, um, you know, this this isn't a Lunsford situation where it's someone that. Uh, has some continuity with the program that knows the program then the players know um, you know who they are and what they're all about the, these are, are new guys coming in um, so so there's definitely going to be you know kind of a, a learning curve and you know kind of like honeymoon period there um, that they're going to have to go through um, so what what do you think these coaching changes mean uh, for the conference and for Georgia Southern 
well, I think as a conference overall, it, it kind of shows one that if if you do well in this conference and, and you succeed, that that your coach will get taken away from you from a Power Five program. Um, obviously, App State and Troy—that's what happened with them. You know, Brown and, and Scott uh, Satterfield ran their programs at App and Troy very well, and you saw what happened—they got poached, and, and that's just going to be the the nature of the game when you're a G five school. Um, I think the the biggest thing to me, and the, and the thing that really popped out to me with all these coaching changes, is the name recognition and where these coaches were coming from. Um, you look at um, outside of, of Chadwell, all three of the other ones were Power Five offensive coordinators, um, all kind of well known, and all have a reputation of, of of knowing how to run an offense and and knowing how to put points up on the board, and. And so I think what you're going to see here is, is, is as time kind of goes on, I think you'll see specifically schools in the Sun Belt know that they need to try to hire because the football talent and the programs in this conference now I think are a lot better than what they used to be. And I think you can kind of attribute that to App State and Southern joining the conference and kind of elevating the, the level of, of play um, here. Um, as far as what it means specifically to Georgia Southern, um, I think you can kind of – probably look at it in a sense that we can't control what other schools do so all we can really do is focus on on improving um our team ourselves our football program um as we kind of mentioned earlier and in the three aspects of our of our, of our game um but it will be challenging in the sense of that this will be offenses and defenses that we haven't seen before and you don't want to you can't really throw out last year's tape, but in a sense you're gonna to have to. Um, because Lindsay will run a different offense than Neil Brown did and, and Drinkwitz will run a different offense than what uh Scatter or Scott Satterfield did at App State. So this is this is gonna be challenging in the sense that we're gonna to have to learn pretty much uh brand new opponents, um, and how we're gonna deal with those and how we're gonna face them coming up this season. Well, and, and, you know, I think it's uh, important to note, too, and, and we talked about it with the App State preview, is is how well we knew Satterfield, right, and how, how well we knew that team. I mean, uh, Lunsford obviously knows him. He, he used to live in the basement, uh, you know, of the, of the man's house, and um, you obviously, Scott Sloan came from there. Our strength and conditioning coach came from there. Yep. there the, you know, we were so familiar with that program um that in in that coaching staff and, and how they run things and how they do things um that's that, that's an important you know that's important to note you know that that learning curve is going to be back um where where we're not going to be um we're not going to know exactly what to expect um from them on you know all, all three phases of the of the ball and and we're not going to even know some of like the coaching you know the the mentality that that Satterfield brings and then and, and that kind of thing I mean it, you know yeah so and, and see that's another thing too I, I I wanted to mention earlier when we were talking about you know kind of the positives and in, in southern and, and we just didn't get around to mention to it but you know one of the things that you kind of learn in a first year coach is that they'll make a, a a mistake mentally here and there especially when it comes to game management and time management Lunsford and staff didn't do that how will how will Chip Lindsay and his staff handle time and game management well they make mistakes that cost them games same thing with Drinkwitz and Jake from West Virginia at Texas State and then Chadwell at Coastal um, little things like that that you just won't know until you actually go up against them and, and see them you know on, on game film 
That's true. I mean, out, out of the four, it's, it's Chadwell with the most experience. You know, he, he has the most experience being a head coach. Only one has been a head coach, um, at least at least at the FBS level. Um, and, you know, kind of knows the ins and outs of uh, managing a game, like you said, and, and, and game preparations and all this. And then we, we saw that firsthand, right, with Tyson Summers, uh, you know, bringing in a coach with, you know, just coordinator experience and assistant coaching experience and, uh, you know, didn't have the team ready to play, didn't have the team disciplined. You know, you could argue, you know, we were better in some phases, but, you know, not good in others. Um, so I, I think that's the big thing is not, not all – great coordinators make good head coaches you know um so i mean you have lunsford that that has never really been you know never been a coordinator <laughs> uh, you know he, he was he was just a longtime assistant and and you know he he leads this team so well because he surrounded himself with quality staff so we talked about ted roof um you know certainly a veteran there um has more experience than like any of the other guys we mentioned probably combined um but has had you know some shaky showings in in recent years uh with teams so i mean it, it's the the we talked all season about what has made lunsford so good and this team so good is is the staff that he surrounded himself with and that's one of the keys to being a great head coach um that's that's going to be interesting to see you know this the staff that Drinkwitz and and Lindsey build around them. Um, you know, same same with uh, the guy at uh, Texas State. Uh, you know, where 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 do they? How do they build this their staff and 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 where is that going to take them? Because it's it's not just a one man show, obviously. And they're going to have to be able to delegate. They're going to have to be able to, um, you know, put. I know uh, Drinkwitz is is planning on calling plays at App State. You know, so I hear so like that's. That's a big thing there. You know, how, how is that going to go? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've seen that work at some places. We've seen it fail miserably at some places. So that's going to be interesting. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and go on record and say that none of these hires are going to be near as bad as Tyson Summers. So I know that a lot of our, our – or I don't want to say a lot, but I think there is some aspect of our fan base. You've seen it out there, yeah, people waiting for that. Yeah, yeah waiting. Oh, it's the turmoil, which automatically means you're going to have terrible seasons. I don't think that's going to happen. Troy will not have a terrible season. Troy may actually probably has a legit shot of winning the conference. Um, App State has a legit shot of winning the conference, even with these new head coaching hires. Um, these these men are not dumb when it comes to football, obviously. They will have their teams repaired. It's just can they handle all the responsibilities that they have as far as being a head coach? Um I think that they'll handle it a lot better than Tyson Summers did. Um, I don't. I don't foresee App State or Troy finishing the season under five hundred their first season, not with the talent that they have. Um, so, don't expect these teams just to fall off the face of the map like we did. Uh, at least give it two or three years before if you see it the the unraveling begin. Uh, I think. I think. Troy, for sure, I think will still be very competitive. App State will be a, I don't say a wait and see. I think they will be, but it'll be interesting to see, like I said earlier, how their defense comes to play. If their defense doesn't, if Ted Roof kind of screws with their defense the way that he did at Tech and, and kind of his last couple seasons there at Auburn, you know, you may be where when we play App State, it's just going to be whoever has the ball last, and it's going to be a 40-50 to 50 ball game every game. Right. 
And, and you know, I think uh, the one team that we're not really mentioning here is Arkansas State, uh, you know, a, a team that everybody thought was going to kind of be in that top three uh, in the conference last year. Um, you know, they ended up not making it out of the West. Like I said, did make a bowl game, uh, but lost to, to Nevada, um, you know, in overtime after giving up, uh, you know, a, a big a big lead um, and, and just kind of a, a really ugly Arizona bowl game. Um, but the – you know, they, they also had some changes, uh, Blake Anderson staying there. Um, but they had, uh, changes with their coordinators. Um, they're bringing in, um, they, they let go of both of their coordinators. They have, um, the, uh, North Carolina quarterbacks coach, uh, uh, Keith Heckendorf. Um, he's the new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Arkansas state. And then, uh, the former, um, UMass, uh, co-defensive coordinator, uh, David Duggan, um, was named the, uh, new defensive coordinator at, um, Arkansas state on January 16th. So, um, so, some big changes there. So, so that's, that's worth saying. I mean, you know, you've got, um, obviously they, uh, are losing their quarterback um, at Arkansas State, um, so that will be interesting to see. Um, you know where where they kind of play, uh, where where they kind of stand um, there. If if they're you know stay as a as a front runner in in the West, or if they kind of progress down. I, well, to me, I think the front runner in the West right now is is Louisiana. Um, they obviously won the West this past season. Um, they're shaping up to have probably the best uh, recruiting class in the Sun Belt this year, um, and I don't even think it's going to be close. Um, Billy Napier is is a pretty good up and coming coach. He spent time at both Alabama and Clemson. I think Louisiana will be the the front runner next year. But you are right in the aspect of where does Arkansas State fall in all of this, and how do these internal coaching hires um, and changes affect this team? Um, I don't know who's going to replace Justin Hansen. Um, I think they put in a backup quarterback when they were getting um, beat by App State pretty bad in that game uh, last season. Uh, that quarterback didn't look that great at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to to see who who fills that void um, and how well does that that quarterback play. Um, we know they have playmakers at the wide receiver position and at the running back position, and you know that their defense is full of speed and athletes. So, it's just can it's just do they have a quarterback to lead them? Um, if they don't, then then Arkansas State surprisingly could finish third or fourth in that conf or in that division. Um, but I expect Blake Anderson and his staff to have somebody in there that can compete and and put their team in a situation to win. And I look for them to to still be competitive, but I think it's Louisiana's division to lose at this point. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so Cody, I think, I think that kind of covers, um, everything that we want to touch on for this episode. Um, you know, obviously, you know, still plenty more to cover. Like we, like we mentioned, um, you know, obviously with the recruiting, you've got, uh, some transfers, uh, coming into Georgia Southern, some transfers that are leaving, um, Georgia Southern, uh, you know, a couple, uh, wideouts. Um, we will talk about all that in our next episode, um, which we are, are planning to do um, just after the uh, the spring um, signing uh, day. So uh, we will pick that up um, right after that, uh, kind of let the recruiting rankings and all that uh, flush out so we kind of get a get an idea and then we'll we'll look at the the early signing period signings uh, the transfers like I mentioned and then 
this uh, um, uh, spring signings. You know, right now it doesn't look like, you know, it looks like mo- most of the guys that we're bringing in for visits are for uh, future recruiting classes um, for 2020 and 21. Um, but, uh, you know, certainly can still, uh, you know, we've, we've got a great staff with great recruiters. So we might have some surprises, you know, bringing in some, some, some late recruits uh, to the table um, in, in the next week or so. So, um, we will pick things up uh, there, uh, talk about that, and then kind of look at um, personnel. Uh, take a deeper look at, at the guys that we mentioned earlier that are returning and, and Brinson and Vildor and uh, Tyler Bass. And, um, you know, kind of a, a mini preview, spring preview, things to work on, things to look forward to for uh, spring practice and, and the upcoming spring game. Um, all that in store um, in our upcoming episode. Yeah. Um, and can't wait to, to kind of get that and, and get that out there for y'all. Um, and, you know, again, I think that this off season has been, um, has been pretty good as far as an Eagle nation can, can, can hope for, uh, um, pretty quiet and, and it's just really just recruiting talk. So, um, Matt, I mean, you got anything else to really add to that? I mean, I think that's pretty, pretty good so far. Not really. I mean, just, just again, just what, what, what a year, um, you know, just, just so memorable. Um, and, uh, definitely, uh, surpassed all, all of my expectations. I know, uh, same with you, Cody. So I'm, I, I just can't wait to, to get things going. I know the, the spring practice schedule was released, uh, recently and, um, you know, I, I can't wait for, uh, the spring game to roll around and, and, and start, uh, you know, talking more about this team and looking forward to 2019. I know. I can't wait for it to get here. All right, Cody. So, uh, for Cody, I'm Matt. Thanks for listening as always. Um, we, uh, you know, appreciate you bearing with us, um, these last couple of weeks as, as we kind of took a much needed break, but, but, uh, you know, we're excited to kind of be back and, and get you ready for, uh, some spring football. So, um, Cody, uh, with that, we'll, we'll pick this up, um, in the next episode. So, uh, hail Southern. Hail Southern Map. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gotatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gotta Talk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gatatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, gata and hail Southern. Southern.